And listen to me. This is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever Show. Start listening to us or suffer the consequences. Is the BFFs? I am Greg Sussman. Join us. Where, where's Frank? Frank, where? Frank, we're starting the show. Frank, where? where? Frank, what are you doing? Frank, what are you? What, what are you doing? Oh, oh. He- hello there, Greg. What, what's going on, man? Just... Frank, are, are you? Are you? Are you taking notes on other shows' content? What? Are you watching other shows during our show? Are you cheating? Greg, I'm just using the technological advancements that we have to try and gain an edge in the industry. This is a very competitive industry. Frank, that's against the rules. You can't watch other shows during our show and try to create better content. You can't do that. That is cheating. Does, does it say it anywhere in the oh rule my book? God, are you, are does it you? say it anywhere in the rule book that I can't use technology to help gain an edge in the industry? Does it say it anywhere in the rule book? Are you banging a trash can to let me know what other shows are doing? Are you kidding me? This is against every law of the industry, every grace that we have. This is just wrong, man. Greg, I just want us to be the best that we possibly can. We were nominated for an FSWA award a couple of years ago. I want to get back to where we were back in 2017. Is I it, want to be the best. We, we can't do this. This isn't right. All right, I gotta, I gotta do something about this. So let's go to the update with Sean Glastonakia, and when we come back, I will handle this for all of us. Sports Grid News Update. I'm Sean Glossa with your BFF Sports Grid News Update. Astros cheating scandal takes a new turn as the players met the media today. Astros Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve are deeply sorry for the choices they made by their team and the organization as well. Bregman went on to say, I have learned from this and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. Um, It was not well received by the media. A couple of stumbles by the Houston Astros organization. Their owner Crane met the media as well and kind of contradicted himself a number of times. So not a good look for the Houston Astros. Araldis Chapman, Yankees closer, he also met the media and he called 
Jose Altuve's 2019 action where after he hit the home run off of Chapman, his actions afterward where they wouldn't rip off his jersey, suspicious. So stay tuned as this cheating scandal continues to make headlines. All right, let's look at the NBA scoreboard today. Just two games later tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time, you have the Los Angeles Clippers at the Boston Celtics. Celtics, two-point favorites on the point spread, 228 your total. And the nightcap, the last game before the NBA All-Star break, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder at the New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans, three-and-a-half-point favorites on the point spread, 234-and-a-half is your total. And on the basketball, college basketball landscape tonight, a couple of big games. You have Iowa at Indiana. The Hoosiers, two-point favorites in that one, 148 and a half your total. Arizona State at Stanford later tonight. That's two-and-a-half-point favorites for the Cardinal, 138 and a half your total in that one. Washington State at UCLA, that rounds out the college basketball action, 11 p.m. Eastern time tip. Seven-and-a-half-point favorites for the Bruins, 137 your total. All right, let's head back now to the BFFs with Greg and Frank, that's your Sports Grid update. Back to you guys. Ridiculous. I mean, it's just simply ridiculous. I mean, you were using a monitor, Frank, to watch other shows during our show, completely unethical. So I have now taken this to the monitor and I smashed it. Look at this. I smashed it because it's unacceptable. It is unacceptable what you did. And I will not stand for it. I won't. I will not do it. And everyone thinks, oh, Greg's a fun one, right? Greg doesn't care about anything. I care about ethics, and I care about doing what is right in this industry, and that is not allowed. Well, Greg, how was I supposed to know that just because you're here smashing a TV that you wanted me to stop doing what I was doing? How was I supposed to perceive that because as we should stop? Right. It's not right. How, how was I supposed to know that? Uh, how about this, Frank? Me smashing the TV. Not right. But you never told me to stop. You never actually told me to stop. All you did was smash a TV that I was using to gain an edge so that we can be the best. How was I supposed to know that by you smashing this TV, you wanted me to stop doing that? Frank, you mentioned that we are an FSWA award-nominated show. You think we needed this to stay like that? Look, I'm not saying that it would have helped us be better. I can't say that it would have not helped us be better. You know, uh, all that matters is that we were nominated. I, I have to ask, like, who else is involved in this? How many other people knew? Like, does Florio know? Does Florio know what happened here? Well, speaking of Michael Florio, Mike Cardano, one of the leaders of the Sports Grid Network, he did suspend Michael Florio for a year. A year! At the time, at the time. He suspended him for a year, and because of that, we figured it was just best to let him go. So this is why Florio now lives in California. He yeah. needed to leave the city because of what you guys did. We, yeah, we look, we were disgraced by his actions, and due to the suspension, we thought the best thing to do, the best course to take, was to just let him go, Greg. Alex, did you know about this? Did you know about this downstairs in the pit? That Frank and Mike were doing this? Hey, Greg, you're usually uh, pretty on top of things here. I'm pretty uh, disappointed in you. You're, you're usually the one to say 
first come, first serve. Whatever. Listen, listen. When I joined this show, when I joined Mike and Frank back in 2018, I didn't know they were doing this. And all right, when I got here and I noticed, I, I should have done more than hit a TV. You're right. I should have done more. But I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did what I, I thought I could. I didn't do enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the audience. I, I thought Frank was better than this. I thought Mike was better than this. I thought the brand of BFFs, the team that we are, was better than this. And you know what? We're not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One of the final things that I will say is that the producers had no say in this whatsoever. They, they were just doing what they were told. Did anyone coerce you so, into doing this? So they should be absolved of any wrongdoings. You know, they gave Mike Cardano, you know, the report. And because of that, they were given immunity and they testified against the BFFs. Just know that the producers were not in charge of this, Greg. They are absolved of any wrongdoing. And, you know, as one of the hosts of the show, the producers will not be suspended. They will not be fined. They are absolved of any wrongdoing in this matter. Greg, whose who's idea was this? It was Michael Florios. Michael Florius. That's why we had to let him go. Do you or do you feel responsible for this? I am in no way, shape, or form responsible for this. Uh, and I think you can refer to Mike Cardano's report on the matter as well. Quick question. Does this seem ridiculous to you? Does what we've just proven all sound completely absurd to you? Because it sounds absurd to me that the person that was physically benefited from watching the monitor, from taking his notes, nothing happens. Frank's still gonna host the show today. The Astros are still going to play baseball this year, including the guys that cheated. Frank, does this sound absurd to you? I played the fifth. This is ridiculous. The Astros got no punishment. AJ Hinch is only doing interviews on MLB Network and my paid uh, MLB outlets. Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, absolves himself completely, said they were good enough without cheating. It didn't matter. And yet, there they were. They cheated. Nothing happens. They don't care. It doesn't matter. Greg, I do have one final thing to remind you. That according to Mike Cardano's report, Again, according to Mike Cardano's report, the commissioner of SportsGrid, he absolved the players of any wrong, he absolved the producers of any wrongdoing here. So you blame so the commissioner? I will, I, will just, I, I will just refer to Mike Cardano's report. Was there a buzzer used, Frank? According to Mike Cardano's report, a thorough report, they looked into this throughout the investigation and they did not find any buzzers. So there were no buzzers, just cheating. Do you feel that other shows were robbed by what you did? Look, I can't say that the other shows would or would not have been affected by us cheating back in 2017. All I can tell you is that we were good enough to be nominated for an FSWA award back in 2017, Greg. Huh. We were good enough and we won that award. Well, we would have won that award and we didn't get caught cheating. When we come back, well, we're gonna be prepared. We're gonna do what we do best, and that's analyze baseball from our own perspective. We don't need other people's ideas and content. VFF's return after this.
Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. The investigation may be over here on the VFFs. I've smashed this TV after what Frank did. But it's now time for uh, a new segment as we get back to doing what we do best, Frank, and that's, that's analyze, right? We want to help people win baseball. We don't need to cheat to do that. We just, well, we analyze the data and we give better advice than any other show in this industry. And to do that, let's give you a new segment we like to call ADP, Money in the Bank. Oh, you're going to play the music there, Sean. So did I. You had it ready. I was ready to go. <laughs> there it is. This there is what we're going to do. a full screen for this. All right. Dollar, dollar. <laughs> there you go. This is Greg trying to do the Shane McMahon shuffle. Keyword trying. Money in the bank right here, baby. ABP Money in the Bank. How this is going to work going forward. We are going to give you three players that are going in a similar spot in uh, ADP, in sorry, in NFBC drafts over the in the month of February. It'll be three players going in a similar spot. We will tell you which player is Mr. Money in the Bank, the one that you want to draft here this season. Frank, who do we got today? All right, we've got three pitchers who are going back to back to back in terms of NFBC ADP right now. The ninth pitcher off the board, Steven Strasburg, with an ADP of 29.9 in the month of February. Blake Snell with an ADP of 34.2 in the month of February. And just behind him, all of these pitchers within five picks of each other in the NFBC, Chris Sale with an ADP of 34.95. Greg, there's... A constant theme among these three starting pitchers is that they're either all currently dealing with an injury or have dealt with plenty of injuries in the past. All right, so all these guys dealt with injuries last year or are injured now, as you mentioned here. This is our Money in the Bank segment. We're telling you which player we believe in the draft is Money in the Bank. Frankie, you said it there. Our three players we're going after today. Steven Strasburg, who, you know, basically won the Nationals in the World Series, some would say. Blake Snell and Chris Sale all going within five picks of each other, as you mentioned. Let's start with the one going the earliest. That is Steven Strasburg. Right now in the NFBC, in the month of February, he's going at 28 overall. You've had your concerns about Strasburg. The only time he's been able to really stay healthy is in that contract year. Now he's gotten paid. And you stay healthy again. Yeah, I think that's the biggest question when it comes to Steven Strasburg. It was his first time over 200 innings last year since 2014. There's no doubting when he is on the mound, he's one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. A 317 ERA in his career, a 295 XFIP in his career, consistently over 10 Ks per nine and under 2.75 walks per nine in his career. Uh, last year, you bring up that season that he had. 3-3-2 ERA, 104 whip, nearly 11 strikeouts per nine, a 51% ground ball rate, the second highest of his career. 
You want to look at the underlying numbers here for Steven Strasburg. A 37% chase rate, career high. 63.6% first pitch strike percentage and a 13.4% swinging strike rate. That was a career high for him as well. He changed things up. I started to use the sinker more last year than ever before. He raised his curveball usage according to Fangraph's pitch values. His curveball was the second best in baseball last year behind only Charlie Morton. The big the biggest issue for Strasburg, Greg, is whether or not he can stay healthy. There were reports last year that he, cha- he changed up his training regimen with the Washington Nationals, and that helped him stay healthy for the ent- entirety of the season. There's no doubting that when he's on the mound, he's one of the 10 best starting pitchers in baseball. There's no doubt about You're it. You're usually someone, Frank, that buys when a guy makes a change. I know you've been tweeting out Reese Hoskins changing his batting stance. There's another reason to get back in on him. But I, I have to wonder, because when we've talked off-air, on-air, you haven't been really in on Strasburg. You want to dive into that Garrett Cole, Jacob DeGrom here. You don't really want in on Steven Strasburg. I know those injuries and just doing it one time ever has you a little bit questioning. You know, has you questioning whether you want to get back in on Steven Strasburg. But he changed the regimen up. He stayed healthy. Isn't that enough? I, I just feel like he's a little bit overvalued based on where he's been in years past. And, and, and we brought this up last year, right? We said, look, you're getting him uh, in 20, uh, 2019 in the fourth, fifth round. He's going to be someone that goes in the second round. Uh, and then he's going to be someone who lets you down again because it seems like that's what Strasburg always does. There's no doubting the talent here. And he made uh, a change to his pitch mix, as I mentioned. He started using the curveball more. Uh, he used a sinker 18.5% of the time. That's the first time he's consistently used that pitch since 2012. So he did make adjustments. I like Steven Strasburg. I don't know personally if he is going to be my money in the bank here uh, when we're comparing him up against Blake Snell and Chris Sale. I do like him. Maybe not to win this money in the bank, though, Greg. I know Mike Florio, before he got suspended and ultimately fired from our show, I know that Michael Florio was all in on Blake Snell. That was his guy, and he got it right. Now, he probably cheated in order to get it right, but he ultimately did get it right. Last year, he thought Blake Snell would be good again. He wasn't. He struggled. He got hurt, came back, got hurt, and then never really... Uh, pitch deep into a game again. The Rays are always going to be cautious with their starting pitchers. Blake Snell is a former Cy Young Award winner. He won many people leagues just two years ago. For you, Frank, is Blake Snell going to be more like 2018 or 2019 here in 2020? I think the answer is he's going to be somewhere in the middle, but probably closer to 2018. Look, he's not going to replicate what he did in that Cy Young year. I mean, he was extremely lucky in terms of BABIP that season. But last year, that luck went completely too far the other way uh, in terms of BABIP. Again, his BABIP in 2018, 241 for an entire season. Last year, it was 343 with his hard hit rate being less in 2019 than it was in 2018. So again, the luck just swung completely the other way for Blake Snell last year. And if you look at the first 11 starts, Greg, before he dropped a piece of furniture on his toe and broke his toe, uh, his first 11 starts, a 19% swinging strike rate. That is absolutely insane. A 35% strikeout rate. 27.7% K minus walk percentage, a 306 ERA, a 308 FIP, a 282 XFIP. His first 11 starts, Greg, while he was healthy last year, he was absolutely insane. And I think if he's healthy again, that's a lot to ask. He dealt with some uh, shoulder fatigue. He had an elbow injury in late July as well. 
Um, but by all accounts, he is healthy this offseason and coming into spring training. If we can get anything close to the picture we saw in those first 11 starts, Greg, before he fractured his toe, then I think he probably has the highest upside of this group. But isn't it kind of interesting that you're banging on a guy that did injure his toe, that did have the shoulder fatigue, didn't pitch a full game after July last year. You're doing that rather than banking on a guy that led his team to a World Series last year. Stayed healthy the entire season. I know the ADP is a couple of spots different, but... Yeah, is going about four or five spots her- earlier. He was better. He earned it. But don't you almost worry about him making that deep run into the postseason a little bit more? Sure. Because the innings are up and he's sure. not used to pitching that deep into the season. He was phenomenal. There's no doubt about it. Right. He earned that World Series MVP. But someone who finally stayed healthy for over 200 innings and then pitched that far into the postseason as well, I think that adds a little extra you know, level of nervousness here for Steven Strasburg. Anyway, there's one more player in this triple threat money in the bank contest, and that is Chris Sale. He, it was him and Scherzer last year. Which one do you want to take first? Well, Chris Sale never seemed right. The velocity never got there. We questioned if he was injured. He swore he wasn't injured, and around and around we go. Chris Sale, most of the underlying numbers look pretty good. The ERA, not so much. It's like 4-4 when it was all said and done. He's already come down with a bout of pneumonia, so he's behind the other starters in Boston, a Boston team that's not expected to be good. Chris Sale has the ability, because he's done it before, Frank, to finish as the number one overall pitcher, and you're getting him later than Blake Snell, later than Steven Strasburg, albeit, you know, five picks and one pick. But that's what we're talking about. Chris Sale, are you buying that last year was an abnormality? And we'll get the pitcher back that may have been the best pitcher in baseball? Or are you buying that something certainly still seems off with Chris Sale? Chris Sale, to me, Greg, is the biggest wild card in fantasy baseball this upcoming season because we know when he's on, you're right, he can be the SP1 overall. He's also someone, in my opinion, that could be shut down by mid-May, by the middle of April, maybe even before spring training. I mean, something was not right with him last year, and we saw that. He dealt with left shoulder inflammation in late July. Then he got shut down in mid-August because of an elbow injury. He went to go visit Dr. James Andrews. Three words you never want to hear when it comes to a starting pitcher in fantasy baseball, uh, in in baseball in general, if you're a Boston Red Sox fan. He'll turn 31 this upcoming season. I think the fact that his... He has like a wonky delivery, and his frame is very, uh, he's, he has a very skinny frame, a very frail frame, I guess you could call it as well when it comes to Chris Sale. Those are things that worry me as well. The underlying numbers were great. I, I can't dispute that. 14% swinging strike rate, a 2.93 XFIP. He did post a 4.4 ERA. His fastball velocity was down 2 miles per hour than where it's normally been at in his career, down to 93.7 miles per hour, the lowest it's been since 2016. Uh, His hard hit rate was up. His left on base percentage was terrible. I watched a lot of Chris Sale, Greg, last year. I had him on my NFBC main event team. He was not right. His location was all over the place. He couldn't put hitters away. His velocity was down. He's the biggest wild card in fantasy baseball this year. If you are... You know, a risk taker in the early rounds in fantasy baseball, I I tend to be risk averse in those early rounds. I want to build a a solid foundation. Then, you know, if you want to take that risk on Chris Sale, he's someone that can absolutely win you a league. But I think that within his range of outcomes, Greg, he is somebody that can also be shut down by the middle of May. There's just no knowing, you know, based on this shoulder and elbow injury that he dealt with last year. That's the big question mark when it comes to Sale, that he may be... Not the same guy that he was a year or two ago, 
but there may be some underlying injury but he swears he's healthy he swore all last year he was healthy and nothing just seemed right i don't know it's the same staff can they get the most out of him i don't i i simply do not know i it's it's weird because his upside is greater than both, like you said. It is greater than Blake Snell's. It is greater than Steven Strasburg because he's done it. He's been the number one overall pitcher in fantasy baseball. But, but, you, but that, but that, the lowest. You know what? I actually feel like Blake Snell has the highest floor out of these guys because Sale can have a debilitating injury. We've seen Strasburg have a debilitating injury. Snell's like wasn't like debilitating last year. He like dropped some furniture, had the shoulder fatigue. I don't know, man. All right, this is it. We got 30 seconds to go, and then we're going to talk more about Blake Snell in a few moments uh, as Dwayne Stats is going to join us from uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. But, Frank, who is Mr. Money in the Bank for you? Mr. Money in the Bank, with these three injury-prone starting pitchers, in my opinion, Greg, you're right. It's Blake Snell. I think he has the highest floor, and I, I would argue that his ceiling is up there with Chris Sales as well. We'll hear more about Blake Snell as Dwayne Stats joins us next. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. All right, back here on the BFFs. He is Frank Stanfield. I am Greg Sussman. We got the broken TV in the middle of us after I saved our show by ending the cheating that Frank did for years. For years, Frank. All I can say is I was just following Mike Cardano's report. Yeah, fair enough. Joining us now, not a cheater, a great broadcaster. It's Dwayne Stash from the Tampa Bay Rays. What's up, Dwayne? Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're doing fantastic, man. How are you? We're very well, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Pitchers and catchers have reported baseball season is upon us. And we were just talking about Blake Snell, who had those unfortunate injuries last year. Is he healthy and ready to go and give us 200 innings this year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, he's come into spring training. His big emphasis over the winter was um, eating better and better nutrition and all that. So I think um, for him to be focused on that, uh, he's happy with uh, the other uh, recoveries from uh, the problems he had. I think he's ready to go out and, you know, show um, command of the fastball. And, uh, you know, he, he's been back and forth between his curveball and his slider over the last couple of years. And it really did seem that when he went with that breaking ball, the curveball more, you know, he was more effective. And I, I think I look back at him when he first came up with uh, the variety of pitches he had, and you normally think that a guy is going to command the fastball better than his secondary pitches. And he was actually just the opposite of that. And the idea that, that he can command that curveball as well as a slider, but he really likes the curveball now and the change. And the uh, command of the fastball has been, a, you know, has been the biggest challenge for him when he struggles. And he thinks uh, – all of those things are in line, and he has something to prove coming off, uh, you know, the great year two years ago, and then uh, some inconsistency and some health injuries, uh, health issues last year. 
So he's uh, he he wants to reassert himself at the uh, at the top of that uh, rotation. Hey, Dwayne, Frank Stanfield here. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We saw the Rays make a trade last week. They trade away Emilio Pagan, who was the team's closer last year, to acquire Manny Margot. Uh, the name of the show here is the Fantasy BFF, so we're trying to give people fantasy baseball information. We're trying to figure out who's going to close for the Tampa Bay Rays this upcoming season because saves are very, very valuable in fantasy baseball. Now, you might not have just one answer. It might be a combination of a bunch of different guys. But who do you think leads the Tampa Bay Rays in saves this upcoming season in 2020? Well, right now, they're saying it's a closer by committee. And you have to take them at their word. Pagan did emerge as the guy had 20 saves. As the season went on, he got opportunities once he got back to the big leagues. And I really think... um, I, I think you have a couple of front runners in uh, Diego Castillo and Nick Anderson with Jose Alvarado, sort of the uh, the third guy in that mix. Uh, all three have, as you know, have great arms and, and could close. Anderson, when he came over from Miami, was unbelievable. So I, I, can he be as good as he was when he came over, uh, essentially, I, I think he had uh, something somewhere in the mid-30s in strikeouts before he ever walked anybody after he came over here. And and the Castillo entry will determine will be determined, I think, on how much they use or do not use the opener. There's been talk here now of not only using, you know, three starters like Morton and Snell and, and Glass now, but thinking of Torino's and Yarbrough as starters. And if they do that, then that obviously would affect what happens in the bullpen because they used Castillo a lot as an opener last year. So if he's consigned to the bullpen, he's got to be one of the front runners. It's got to be Castillo or Anderson. And Alvarado, two years ago and early last year, had great stuff. He had some personal issues involving family and back and forth between Venezuela and, and here. So they're hoping that they'll get some consistency and he's settled in. But right now he's kind of the, um, the uh, wild horse uh, pick out of those three. But if I had to pick somebody who's going to lead this team in closers now, it would be, it would be Castillo if they don't use the opener and Anderson, if they uh, do use Castillo as an opener. That was a great closer breakdown there uh, from doing stats. You know, for me, I think what you mentioned with Jose, Alvar- uh, uh, Jose Alvarado is, is the obvious one because he was so good two years ago. And he struggled last year. And we always say, Frank, on the show, figure out some of these players' personal lives and see what's going on. Read a little bit deeper than what the stats on the page say. And knowing what now that he did have some family struggles in Venezuela and here in the States. And that certainly contributes to the mental part of the game, which is a huge aspect of baseball. Yeah, absolutely. We always have to try and consider the human element. You know, what we do is trying to give out fantasy baseball information. A lot of that's going to be analytical driven, but you also have to look at what's happening off the field for some of these guys. And I think that's part of the issue uh, with Jose Alvarado last year. The struggles that he was going with were obviously tied to things that were going on off the field. All right, you mentioned the Emilio Pagan trade and you asked, who was the closer? Well, I'm trying to figure out the other side of things in the outfield where uh, this offseason the Rays have acquired Manny Margot. They've acquired Hunter Renfro. Uh, they acquire Jose Martinez. All of these guys 
play similar positions in the outfield, corner infield. They had a lot of names there uh, here, Dwayne. Who's going to start for this race team? Well, they're trying to figure out positions right now. I actually think you know, Kiermaier is going to be in center. Uh, Meadows is out there. Renfro is going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, Margot, I think, will get his playing time against uh, selected lefties. You know, his numbers are very good against lefties. Uh, Kiermaier and Margot give them top flight defense in center field, so it gives them an opportunity, I, I think, to not have Kiermaier in the lineup against some lefties with the confidence that they're going to get uh, the same kind of defensive performance in center field and probably against those lefties, better offense out of Margot than they get out of Kiermaier. And, and I think they're looking at Meadows to be uh, the same guy he was a year ago. They're very high on him, and he's the one guy I think you can pencil in. He's going to be somewhere in that lineup every day in the outfield and some DH. And Renfro, I think they, they'd love to see him play and get as many at-bats as he can because of his power. The interesting thing about Meadows, you know, he spent some time DHing, but suddenly, you know, they have a number of guys on this team that they're going to have to consider as almost strict DHs, and, and that's led by Jose Martinez, who can swing the bat, has power. Uh, they're concerned about his glove work. So I don't, I don't know how many DH opportunities Meadows will get, which means he's going to be in that outfield more. Uh, than he was maybe a year ago because he's going to be in the lineup every day. So I, I would look at, at that mix in their lineup, and, and I think um, they're, expecting, they're expecting good things out of Margot, but in a role where he will give them great center field defense and great uh, offense against lefties, and that's some flexibility there. But the rest of it, I, I think, is, is what we've talked about already with uh, Martinez getting – a lot of the DH advance. Dwayne, you brought up Tyler Glass now earlier in terms of the pitching staff here for the Tampa Bay Rays, and it looked like he was finally starting to put it all together last year, but then he got derailed with a forearm injury, which limited him to just 60 and two-thirds innings pitched last season. You know, what are you projecting for Tyler Glass now this upcoming season for 2020? Can he maintain those gains that he that we saw him uh, kind of improve in terms of the, the control and the command last year? We really saw the walks uh, improve from Tyler Glass now last year. Can he stay healthy in 2020? What are your expectations for Tyler Glass now this upcoming season, Dwayne? Well, he's going to have every opportunity. You know, he had the forearm uh, issue, the strain last year. Uh, he had uh, he, he had a little procedure done to uh, relieve a nerve issue in the in the wrist area. They say he is fine. He threw yesterday. Uh, they were very pleased with what they saw there. Interesting thing about him, aside from that great velocity, you know, 97, somewhere a tick or two on either side of 97. Last year, that curveball was so great for him. I, I think. Uh, the on-base percentage of opposing hitters was uh, under 170 with his curveball. He wants to add and has worked on a split uh, this, uh, this offseason. So I'm anxious to see him in the offseason or see him in spring training to see how he incorporates that pitch in because from what we saw last year, 
his primary deal is to stay healthy. And I think he, he found that niche where that inconsistency that he had in, uh, in Pittsburgh that prevented him uh, from the Pirates being confident enough to, to rely on him. It all came together here. And, and I think just being in an environment with uh, the, the other pitchers, having Charlie Morton on this staff certainly helped him. And Kyle Snyder, his influence on the, any of these pitchers. I'm, I'm a very big uh, fan of Kyle Snyder. So I, I would look for good things there. I, I think they're, again, their rotation, if, if they go with, uh, whether they go with those three guys that we talked about, our Ad Chirinos and Yarbrough to round it out to essentially a five-man traditional rotation, they're going to get uh, a bundle of innings and quality innings out of all those guys. Right there you go, Dwayne Stats from the Tampa Bay Rays broadcasting team. We appreciate your time, sir. Uh, have a great spring and come back soon. We'll look forward to it. Good to be with you guys. Have some fun, will you? We absolutely will. We're excited, man. Baseball is back. Uh, we're excited to talk about it, obviously, all spring long. When we come back, we're going to take a look at some more ADPs, what we are doing yesterday in regards to the juiced ball era. Who really got affected? What are these power hitters we're all basically because of the juice ball. We'll try to continue to figure this out with some more names. Coming up next. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. For 15 minutes, and then it's coast to coast. Scotty Farrell, Carver High, and the gang. I had to cover 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, big ups to everybody that uh, works on that show, and of course, everyone that works on our show. We appreciate it. Okay, so let's get in, Frankie boy, to the uh, Juice Ball era guys that we didn't get to yesterday. I want to start not with Miss, not with the team that I think is super Juice Ball era, but like the Minnesota Twins were bombs away last year uh, from Target Field. For the uh, for Rocco Baldelli in his first year, and one of the breakout guys was Max Kepler, the starting center fielder for or sorry outfielder I should say uh, for this Minnesota Twins team. What Kepler did last year was awesome. Can you do it again. That is a fair question, Greg. That's what we're going to try. Mike on Frank. Thank you. That's a fair question, Greg, and that's what we're going to try and figure out right now. 36 home runs last year. He hit 252. Comes with a lot of prospect pedigree. It seems like he finally put it all together. Again, he is 27 years old. Just turned 27, much like Greg, who just turned 53 years old. Uh, but it was a breakout year for Max Kepler. And you know what's crazy? His home run to fly ball ratio? 18%, Greg. Does not seem completely unsustainable. It was the highest of his career. We saw back in 2016, he had a 15% home run to fly ball ratio. Uh, the past two years, he's hit consistent fly balls around 46% of the time. He also hit the ball harder last year than ever before. A 42% hard contact rate. And something I really liked that we saw from Kepler last year, Greg, as a left-handed batter, 
finally started to hit well against left-handed pitching. And we saw a little bit of that in the second half of the 2018 season, and it carried over to last year against lefties. 293 batting average and 880 OPS. Now what we need to do, Kepler, is we got to go back to hitting righties a little bit better as well because he hit 236 against right-handed pitching uh, and also had an 845 OPS. 27 of his 36 home runs came against right-handed pitching. And, you know, he dealt with a lot of nagging injuries, Greg, in late last season. I'm looking at his injury uh, his injury page, and this is the entire season. Right knee, elbow, knee, knee, leg, chest, chest, shoulder, and he was day-to-day for all of those injuries at some point throughout the course of last season and still managed to have a career year. Last year strikes me as a hitter who was finally maturing again. Like, I don't think the home run to fly ball ratio is out of this world. Like maybe he takes a little bit of a step back. Maybe he comes back to comes back to 30 home runs, hits 250 to 260, but you're not even paying anywhere close to the price um for the production that you got last year from Max Kepler in the month of February, 135, I believe. 135. Yep. yep. It's, so it's not egregious, you know? Egregious, isn't it close to egregious? No. Man. I really like Max Kepler looking at where his ADP is and looking at those stats from last year. You know me, like I like guys that get on base a lot. And the 336 OBP isn't outstanding by any means. But you look at that strikeout to walk ratio, right? Like his strikeout percentage, 16.6%. That's low compared to most hitters in baseball yeah. these days. His walk league average strikeout rate's like 20, 21%. Right. So I see under 20. I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty good, right? The walk percent, back to back years, over 10%. He walks a lot. He doesn't really hit many ground balls, just around 36% ground ball percentage. Now, the Babbitt, never good for Max Kepler. 244 last year, 236, because I think he's hitting those fly balls and he's hitting it harder than ever. He's going to hit 36 home runs in 134 games last year. Fine. Maybe it comes back down to 30. But you're still going to get a ton of runs hitting at the top of the Twins lineup. You're still going to get a ton of RBI hitting at the top of the Twins lineup. He doesn't run at all, which is like a little bit frustrating, but... That was never really a part of his game. No, or never. expected to be part, part so of his game. So let's say the home run, home run up the fly ball percentage comes back down to where it was back in his debut season in 2016. Out of 15% rather than the 18%, which is like nothing crazy. Yes. But if we, that comes down and he plays more games and stays healthy... He'll be around the same number anyway. Yeah, he's going to be 30 to 35 home runs anyway. The, the big difference in Kepler is that the hard hit percentage, and you described it, went up to 42% from 33% just two or three years ago. That is a change that's not juice ball necessarily related. One lot- thing I've noticed is that uh, just across the board on Fangraphs last year, everyone's hard hit rate was up. Right. Everybody. So maybe it is. What's his launch angle? Do you have that? His launch angle was 18.2 degrees on average, which was the highest of his career and is bordering almost being too high. Okay. You want an average launch angle. This is, it's not crazy. 18 degrees is not crazy, but Typically, an average launch what, angle... What was it previously? What was his launch angle like the year before? 16 the year before, 12.7 the year before, I 8 see, that's the year the, before. That's the, look at that. 18, so 18 in three he's years. He's consistently... Getting a higher launch angle. Yeah, he's consistently going... But, you know, I don't want him to go much higher than where he's at right now. Uh, and the batting average you saw last year was 252. His expected batting average, 262. So maybe even some positive regression on the batting average there. And again, Greg, what I'll bring up about Kepler and his value this upcoming season is... Why take Kepler when you get Fran Mill Reyes 15, 20 picks later? That's the, the, ultimately the question that you have to answer. Because are they going to be that dissimilar? 
I don't know. That's a good question. If Kepler's le- here's the difference, right? If Kepler's leading off for the Twins team, he's going to score scored. like a hundred and right ten runs. Similar power, similar RBI, but his R- his RBI will be down though. Really similar off. to where it was last year. No, did he bat lead off most of the year last year? So he had he did like, have ninety RBI last year. Yeah, he had all RBI last year, and he I have the splits right here. Yeah, four hundred thirty-seven at bats leading off. Yeah, he bat first all year last year. Yeah. 90 RBI. They were, they were, look, they were one of the best offenses awesome in baseball. Last year, and they're going to be really good again. Like, right. they have Josh Donaldson, they have Miguel Sano, Nelson Cruz. They're going to be really good. I like good. Kepler, man. I like Kepler. Well. I think he's undervalued here at 135. I, I would agree with you. I, I, a point we were trying to get at with yesterday's exercise was were these players affected by the juice ball? And I think you can make a case that he was, to be honest with you. But I also think you see a, a player that has made strides to get better. He's 27 years old. And let, let's not forget, he was regarded as a top prospect. Absolutely. Why, why is it inconceivable that in his age 26 season, he finally put it all together? It's not. Of course it's not. I also used to think Kepler was a Jew. Uh, he's not. No, he's from Germany, Greg. Right. <laughs> Maximilian Kepler-Ruski is his name. I like that name, Maximilian. Yeah. We're, uh, I don't need to ask you this question, sure. but I will anyway. It's just his birthday. Max, happy birthday, bud. I'm going to... It's everyone's birthday, man. It's crazy. Uh, I'm going to assume that you did Max not. Kepler, me. You did not watch. Uh, you did not watch Yu-Gi-Oh growing up. No, that's correct. The animated series. You're still asking the trading card game, right? Yeah, I got it. No, right. no, because there was a very popular character on there called Maximilian Pegasus. Nice, sick name. Cool name. You can name your kid. If that. There was a prospect named Maximilian Pegasus. You can name Maximilian Pegasus Stanfield. Has a nice ring to it. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> I kind of like Maximilian as a name. Let's we'll see how that push. But goes. it's going to get shorted to Max. Eh. Max Stanfield. That sounds cool. No, 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 no. No. We're out on Max Stamfel. Why? Yeah. You're Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Another guy last year had a really good year uh, was Trey Mancini. Boom, boom. Um, came back last year after a down year, I believe the year before. People really liked him back in 2018, 2017 rather. 2018, I think he struggled. Last year, he was fantastic for the Orioles for most of the season. Uh, it was his 27-year-old uh, season. He had 35 homers, over 100 runs scored, almost 100 RBIs, batted 291 with an OBP over 360. He was awesome last year. Highest hard hit percentage of his career at 37%. Not really egregious. Home run to fly ball ratio, though. Highest of his career, over 23% was that home run to fly ball ratio. Got a little bit lucky last year. Frank, what do you think about Trey Mancini in 2020? Yeah, there seems to be some people that are split on Trey Mancini this upcoming season, trying to figure out, you know, how did he finally put it all together and break out last year? You mentioned the home run to fly ball ratio, a little bit high for him at 23.6% last year. It was at 20.9% the year before, 22% for his career. So it really wasn't that much higher than his career mark. Uh, Did put together a career season, 291, 35 home runs, 106 RBI, 97, uh, 106 runs scored, 97 RBI. And he did that in a Baltimore Orioles lineup that was not very good. But it is a very good ballpark to hit in, just in general, for Camden Yards. He improved the walk percentage last year. He decreased the strikeout percentage last year. I mean, he did everything you want someone to do in terms of plate discipline. He still hits too many ground balls probably here, Greg, similar to Fran Mil Reyes, but he lowered that margin. He lowered that about 9% from 2018 to 2019. He raised the fly ball rate over 5% from 2018 to 2019. He raised his line drive rate 3%. I mean, he did everything you are asking somebody who normally hits too many ground balls to do. He raised his launch angle 
And it seemed like it really clicked for him last year. Improved in terms of plate discipline. You look at the splits of Trey Mancini, you have no worries whatsoever. 297 batting average with a 893 OPS against right-handed pitching. 277 with a 910 OPS against left-handed pitching. His home road splits, nothing there. 891 OPS at home, 906 OPS on the road. Hits in a division with other great ballparks to hit in. Yankee Stadium, Fenway, Camden, Rogers Center. I don't mind Trey Mancini. I, look, the way that I'll say it is, he's not a target of mine, but if I were to get him as a fallback option at first base or as a corner infielder, I would not be mad with that as Trey Mancini. I don't think you're getting him as a corner infielder. He's going in the top 100 in the NFBC. Yeah, so probably not. <laughs> so he's not you're, gonna, you're likely going to get him as your first baseman. Correct. So would you rather have Trey Mancini at 99 or 40 picks later go get Max Kepler? I would... Rather have Trey Mancini because I'm really? confident that the batting average is going to be better for, for Mancini. Okay. Just projecting it myself, yes. I think he's probably going to hit 275 to 280. I think that's reasonable. Probably in that range. But I think the the run score over 100 last year with Trey Mancini, that's not replicable, is it? Probably not, but has the Oriole... I guess they've gotten worse with, with no jo- Jonathan Villar. I mean, here's what, here's what concerns me, right? In 2018, where he had that down year... Uh, 24 home runs, still okay. He wasn't playing every single day, though. 156 games played, more than he played last year. All right, I lied. Okay. 156 (laughs) games played, he had 20 less at-bats. Fine. 69 runs scored, 58 rivies. That's brutal. The Babbitt was 285, I know it was much less than the 326 last year. Fine, a little bit unlucky, struck out more two years ago than he did last year. Harder percentage went up last year, but that's like... I'd say the floor, and he did it in 2017, he did it in 2018. He had back-to-back years of essentially the same year outside of the average. If we think Max Kepler has gotten better, and this is what Mancini is, like, I, I'd rather have Mancini 40 picks, I'm sorry, Kepler 40 picks later. Trey Mancini and Max Kepler are the same age, Greg. So why can't we just trust that Mancini just got better as well, right? Because and might continue to get better. He could, he could. Also, nickname, Boom Boom? Absolutely, it's not really his name, nickname, that's okay. Boxer's but it's still awesome. Sure, absolutely. Also awesome, Scott Farrell. He's up next with Coast to Coast with Frank Stanville. I'm Greg Sussman. Thanks to Sean and Alex downstairs. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We, we hope. hope.